pulverizing episodes of the walking dead universe sometimes we give you news sometimes we make you laugh but most times we go deep i'm joined by your host david cameo and survivors dear member bridget as well as myself jasmine <laughs> jasmine.iac on instagram bridget is also ate my first rodeo on instagram and something on twitter Ex prophecy girl on Twitter. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> something. Just and something. also Sharon D will maybe join us shortly, aka Blazy Gardener. So you know yes. she might be here. So yes. might Cosmo Mum zero nine. Rachel. <laughs> yeah, and she's gonna be super drunk. <laughs> Just fair warning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I thought it was at six. No. Oh. <laughs> she has the best job on this podcast. Let me just say this out loud, and this might actually make the episode. I remember I talked about like, dude, I wish I could get high for this show. I want to do a high. I want to do a show where we're both high and we both try to break down an episode. And she goes, dude, I'm I'm high for most of our episodes. <laughs> I'm like, I want your job. I can't I can't function while high. It hits me too hard, no matter how little. Which is why I don't do it that much. I would like to say, as as a training paramedic, I do not condone drug use. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> well, I haven't been, so there you go. There you go. Can't remember the last time I, I smoked on the, the devil's lettuce. <laughs> Dr. Giggles. <laughs> oh, God. This again. Okay. And we're here to talk about the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead 7th season, titled gone or an earlier heaven or whatever flippity flop thing they tried to do with the title at the at the 11th hour and then at the 12th hour they switched it back i don't know what it is but it's the season finale of season seven we're finally here at the finish line and first first things first we got to give the devil's lettuces due, <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's no that is, and this is right before our promo spots. So like, oh, they're going to be like, no, thank you. Let me talk about <laughs> Phineas coffee. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Don't sell our products anymore. <laughs> Phineas coffee is top tier specialty grade coffee roasted to order and ground or not to your specifications. Level up your coffee game by heading to our link in the description usually, or you can head over to PhineasCoffee.com and plug in squawking dead as your promo code at checkout. You'll get 10% off and will get a dollar for every bag you order. And as always, create a free account at ko-fi.com and follow us on ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy a coffee. You don't have to join a membership tier. All you got to do is follow. It's free and you'll be in the know for what we do in the background, whether it's set up recording sessions whether it's when we drop our unedited episode recordings or if we plan on something a little special for the next recording session or a little behind the scenes footage, you're going to know first because we don't post it on social media. But if you decide to tip us, you'll get 30 days of supportive back content. And if you join a membership tier for as little as a dollar, you'll have these benefits in perpetuity. I definitely want to talk about feelings first. I did not know what to expect for this episode. You kind of did from the teasers. Because we kind of called it last week. I mean, we saw it in the teasers and we just kind of said, oh, it looks like it's going to be a Madison and Morgan situation with baby Moan Toe. But I didn't expect it to be quite like this, where it was literally Madison versus Morgan at one point and how at odds it would be. I liked it a lot, though, when you can get me to say, who am I rooting for more at any given moment? 
that's a good episode to me. But then the constant tug between the two and why they're doing what they're doing and one person finding themselves on the other side of where they are now. I thought that was really clever, a clever way of going, hey, Madison, I don't like what you're doing right now. And then Morgan finding himself doing the same thing at some points. I like that. I think that's great. I think it's great to to get the audience to not know who they're going to root for next, potentially, despite how much how badly some people want Madison to come back. They're like, oh, I don't know if I like this. I was rooting for the crabs. <laughs> she she yes. stuck with her guns and she, from last week and says, I'm rooting for the crabs. First of all, I don't like Madison or Morgan, so I'm not going to be super fond of this episode in the first place. Did you ever get down to finally watching the first three seasons to know whether you like her or not? I have watched through 105. I just can't get past it. You know what? I'm, I don't like Morgan that much. This should not have been the finale. All of our people should be in the finale. That was what made me angrier than anything, I think, is all of our people should be in the finale, and we get all Madison and Morgan. I liked the episode in itself. Had it been anybody but those two, I probably would have really liked it. Actually, that's valid, because I think that's most people. I mean, it's not for the reasons that you described, but I think there's a large contingent that doesn't like Morgan, not just you. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard your fair share of, I don't like Morgan. And then I'm sure you've heard your fair share from like at least Rachel. Oh, I don't like Madison. Eh, a little bit of Morgan. Maybe a lot more Morgan. So you're not alone. But I think the important part is, did you like the episode on its own? And I think that's fine. I Because you can't help the fact that there are people aren't there. All our people aren't there at the last episode. And it's not uncommon to not have all your people in the last episode, as we've seen in the TWU. I don't recall any season where the finale was a bottle episode. That is a good point. Me neither, I don't think. Not off the top of my head, at least. And my head is not right. I just wanted to say I've had a very rough week. We just came back from the camp, which was great. I loved seeing all of you. I loved hanging out with all of you. We have a ton of content waiting in the backlog that hopefully I can get to this longer weekend because I have off on Monday. Some of that content are interviews that we recorded, not just Bridget and I, Bridget on her own. Thank you, Bridget, for all the content that you've been able to scour and and set up. So much content. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much content. I have some content from Samuel Samuel Sweet Shop, which is the sweet shop in Rhinebeck, New York. Hillary Burton Morgan and Jeffrey Dean Morgan plus Paul Rudd own. I took that footage with Tyler Philip Cox, whispers to your member, Tyler Philip Cox. And we still have to post our Better Call Saul mid-season finale episode. And once that's done, I will be posting all of the Better Squawk Saul episodes all at once for your enjoyment. So that's that's coming down the pike. But aside from all that, because it relates to content, I was having a, the dickens of a time trying to get episode 194, the episode just prior, out to you. I just literally got it done right before this recording. I had had it set up already in the tank. We recorded it the Tuesday before camp. So basically Tuesday of last week This is very irregular We got Sarah Beth Pollock on. It was a great episode breakdown. It's a little different than our usual breakdowns because we got some a little more insight into what went into season six and season seven so that we can actually appreciate the episode a little bit more. But I had it all set up before at the camp, primed for editing so that once we got back, I could release it right away. I was like, oh, very hopeful, like Wednesday night, I'll have it out. But um, end of the day, for whatever reason, the edit that I had primed and had basically cut up with the principal edit, I couldn't open it in DaVinci Resolve. And I literally last night and this morning had to finish editing it uh, from scratch. So that was that was a nightmare. And to, to not only that, 
when I tried to premiere it at noon today with a classic uh, internet went out. So I had to go back into the editing room, add our logos, add all the stuff that I usually have as overlays in the uh, live premiere that we usually do, put all that in. It gave me an opportunity to show people some of the things I was talking about in the preamble, like my picture with <laughs> Margot Bingham and Teo Rapp Olsen. So that was kind of cool that I could do that. And it also helped me improve some of the overlays of the, the pictures and, and maps and whatever uh, other uh, images that we were putting on screen throughout the episode. I can actually show it in full screen without the overlays being interfering. So there's some minor silver linings, but at the same time, it was hell. It was just absolute hell. I barely slept all week. I didn't sleep this morning. All this to say, I hope you appreciate what we go through to give you these episodes, because it's this is probably the worst it's ever been, I think. I mean, being so concerned that I that that we can't get you an episode as early as humanly possible really, really bothers me because I want to give you the show that you deserve as early as possible. So you don't you're not like watching it right or skipping it because the next episode's in like another day. So that's that's one of my own pet peeves. And I'm interested in hearing feedback from you. Does it bother you that we can't release episodes as, as quickly as possible? Is that a factor for you? And if you do, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Gawking Dead and tell us after every episode. That being said, you should definitely donate to our Kofi goal of helping Dave get another editor because that would just be keen. Yeah, <laughs> we put up a new Kofi goal of $10,000 as a, as a yearly budget for an editor to basically do all the things that I do throughout the week that take me more time because I'm doing it after hours, usually like around 10 o'clock because... It's been a rough week at work, too. Yay. So I want to hear from Jasmine. We haven't seen you in a long time or heard from you in a long time. And we missed you at both at the camp and on the show. Lady, you were very psyched about wanting to talk about this episode. I just want to start by saying that I have hated this half season with a passion. So, yeah, I came into this episode with really low expectations, um, just expecting kind of further disappointment from what we've already seen. And I was pleasantly surprised I really enjoyed the episode. I loved the dynamic between Madison and Morgan. Even though Madison is a character that I have never really liked or taken to, I actually quite enjoyed her performance in this episode. It also got me really psyched to think, give me some hope for next, for season eight. I have loved both Madison and Morgan at different seasons in their character arcs. I really enjoyed Madison as a character in probably season two was probably my favorite one with her. The most controversial season. Yes. And Morgan, I loved, like, I was one of those people that was constantly asking, like, where is Morgan after his first introduction to Rick? So I have loved both of them. Shut up, Dave. I have loved no, both of them. No, I was looking them. at Charity on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm realizing now that because Jasmine likes Morgan as well. And I like Morgan. I, I'm like, it's a, okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a I first. Don't, I don't now in this season. I I just feel like they haven't been very true to anybody's character in this latter half of the season. Um, there's some weird stuff that has happened that I'm like, that character would never do that. Where is this coming from? Maybe radiation has given them all brain damage. I don't know. But what the? What the? <laughs> what the? I can never forget about that, right? Okay, wait. My favorite line in this one was, get in the hole. <laughs> so prepare yourself for that one okay anyway so all that being said the first watch of this episode was rough i was not happy i actually dozed off during the episode which does not happen to like i am all in when i sit down for these episodes i was like like out 
Is to be it similar fair, to like Jasmine, like where she be, was kind of bored with the episode, or well, what? we had come back from camp, so that probably had something to do with it. Because I was like perma drunk while I was there. But anyway, you moving were perma drunk. Moving on from that. Also, <laughs> same Bridget. <laughs> drunk forever while we we're there. I am Rachel. So was I. <laughs> well, Way, like more than all of us put together. <laughs> okay, I watched the episode again. I had said something earlier in the week to Sharon D and Rachel that. I struggled with this episode because it almost felt like a backdoor pilot for a new show. Oh, that's how it felt to me. And you don't like that feeling. I didn't love that because I was like, this isn't in continuity with like what's happening. And like, this is like that weird episode of Stranger Things where they like introduce those other kids with powers. And everyone was like, no, thank you. I don't like this. That's how I felt about it. (laughs) I want my people. But but I went back into this episode thinking, okay, I don't want to come into this super negative so let me just peel all of that away and just watch it and just not try to put anything else on it just watch it so i watched it and i liked it a lot more and there were pieces of it that i thought were really cool there were pieces of it that i'm like that doesn't seem believable to me but we can get into like the nitty-gritty later but i ended up walking away liking it more than i disliked it now i don't know where that lands on the spectrum of like love it hate it somewhere in the middle i imagine i think rachel kind of had that same re- reaction i think for the last episode she kind of liked it but you know she had some hang-ups with certain things so with regards to your first watch i, I kind of i want to probe a little bit more do you think a little bit of that has to do with this is something that we have to be increasingly aware of as podcasters is podcast brain which is you're already breaking down the episode while you're doing your first watch to me, that bothers me personally, because I want to just, I don't want to pay attention to little things, but sometimes I can't help myself lately, it feels like. Do you think any of that has to do with that? Or? No, I, first watch is always just for me. I just want to watch it. I want to watch it because I want to know what happens because I like the show, theoretically, in the past. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I want to watch this because I want to see what's going to happen. And so it's not so much like the picking things apart as it was just like, this is very weird and to Sharon D's point if this had been presented as the episode before and we had flip-flopped maybe I would feel a little bit better about it maybe if it wasn't the last episode of the season is what yeah, you're yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah that may have changed my feelings about it although that would have screwed up I think that would have screwed up everything because well just objectively speaking because I would say can you imagine the Alicia episode just after this Madison episode it almost takes away from the impact of Alicia leaving in a sense because you, you do you do a little switcheroo. Maybe, but honestly, we all knew that was going to happen. Like, had they not broadcast that on Talking Dead, however long ago, where they came on and they're like, Madison Clark is coming back. And everyone's like, why would you wreck this surprise? Like, this could have been cool. And you guys just, you can't hold it in. Like, they just, they're like a little kid who makes like a surprise for their mom and dad. And their, you know, teacher like wraps it up for them. And they're like, it's an ashtray. And you're like, why did you? Like we wrapped it and you're just excited. You're just so excited. You just can't contain yourself. They just can't contain themselves. They keep coming on saying, don't spoil. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you guys are the ones that keep spoiling everything. The Walking Dead season nine did something where they did the calm before in the storm. Obviously, this was the Heads on Pikes episode in 15. And then we get the storm, which is just afterwards. It was just as, a, just as good a compelling episode about these characters in the aftermath of the Whisperer War dealing with winter, kind of something I'd been wanting for so long when we started podcasting in season eight. I was like, I want winter. Can we get winter? Because we've never seen this before. 
And there are so many challenges when it comes to winter. And, you know, it was just more of a visually appealing show, like dealing with those dynamics and having this cool down from such a dramatic, horrifying episode. Because you could have said, you know, let's end the season at 15. But no, no, let's keep going. Let's let's ramp them down because we do get some extra dramatic moments in in the season finale of season nine. But some upbeats to kind of give us not hope, but necessarily, but kind of smooth out how rough the the episode prior was when it comes to this episode you do get a, you do get a little bit of that even though it does center around two characters some of the people who wanted to have Madison back were kind of like okay Madison's back that all that already puts me in a mood some of the people who hate Morgan might like to see Morgan in trouble <laughs> so that puts you in a good mood no oh wait oh wait you're you're shaking your head but why because of who's doing it and <laughs> That makes me curious because I thought maybe for a sec, because I had you in mind when when some of the bigger conflict or bigger physical fights between Madison and Morgan were on. And I was like thinking to myself, what would Sharon think about that? And well, maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of like address some of the physicality between those two butting heads. Was any of that kind of cool or any of that any compelling at all? It hadn't even been a mix of like, say, Morgan and somebody else or Madison and somebody else. You know what I mean? It's just that the two of them. It wasn't compelling to me at all because I don't like either one of them. (laughs) Had it been like, say, Morgan and, I don't know, fucking Sarah. I don't care. Anybody. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It it was just the two people. Even that would have been more fun, but that would have been a given. Like, there would have been no question who I'd pull for, but I just didn't care. I enjoyed the story part of it. And, like, I really loved I'm Team Ava. I'm totally Team Ava in this. Like, she was was great. I loved her. Would you say that any of this has to do... This is something that we've brought up, but not often enough. Sometimes you see a character for so long with a certain amount of baggage and a certain amount of, I don't know, maybe tropes even, that either their tropes become too tired or their baggage makes it so that you can't root for them anymore because there's too much history. Where Madison is concerned, the baggage I have is doesn't really have anything to do with the, sh- the show. It's more the external the Madison stands have made it so I can't enjoy her. It's hard to like her because they have soured me on her and where morgan is concerned i'm just tired of him i feel like you would have liked madison had it not been for the fans i liked madison in the first half of season four i wasn't upset when she died or anything like that because you know i didn't know her that well but the fan backlash towards me just totally soured me on her character so it's very hard for me to enjoy her at all on the subject of madison and the whole fan side of it one thing I was really, really concerned about is Madison coming back and being this big, perfect hero that was just going to save the day and save the story. So what I enjoyed about the way they portrayed Madison in this episode is she was imperfect. She wasn't the perfect hero. She needed the oxygen to survive. She was doing things that, that weren't totally ethical, but she had reasons for doing them. It made it so that I actually enjoyed her character and that's from the perspective of someone that's never enjoyed her character and was also very concerned about the fact that the fans were getting what they wanted whereas in this way like the Madistans haven't necessarily won like yes they've got her back but they've not got her back in the way that they imagined her to come back. This is something I've warned everybody not just the stands the Madison stands you think you are going to get your Madison History just is not on your side. The Walking Dead universe is not going to be on your side. Let's look at Morgan for just a sec as a perfect example of what time does to somebody when they're off the show, quote unquote. He went crazy. 
And even when he went back to Eastman and came back to Alexandria, he, he, you could argue that he was a different kind of crazy, like a, a pretend Vaseline smeared, like, oh, you look good on the outside, but like underneath, it's still kind of crusty and there's something wrong here. Like, oh, all life is precious. It's like, mm, you're not quite right. Mm. And then by the end of season eight, you're like, oh, that boy needs help. <laughs> boy needs some therapy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The 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 blunt end for the living and the, the, the pointy end for the dead. Oh, I'm magically cured. No, not magically cured. Off you go to season four of Fear the Walking Dead. Morales, also a good example. Beginning of season eight. Came back, has a gun pointed at Rick after thanking him before he leaves the show in season one. After the CDC, I think it was. What about Maggie? Oh, boy. Yeah. Compli- she's a complicated, nuanced character who has a lot of feelings that we don't know about. Well, I mean, like, and she is a lot like Madison in a way. She's become like more of an enigma because you kind of don't know what's going on behind her eyes most of the time. One of the things I said uh, in the last episode, Jasmine, you echoed something that Rachel was terrified about, that Madison was going to come back, be the hero of the story, and that would ruin it for her. That would be like, fuck this. I'm so close to out that I can taste the door with my fingertips. I think a lot of people were worried about... Yeah, that can still happen, though. I don't know about the whole of season eight, but she is a series regular in season eight, so I don't know. The way this episode ended, and she was basically like, if I had known that my kids were dead, I wouldn't have done this, and I wouldn't be doing this. And she's kind of like, let's go on the right path. So I feel like that's kind of where they're headed with her. They're going to take her from this flawed... Well, not not quite evil, but this flawed, bad person and. She's going to go the I have to make things right route, the same as fucking Morgan has been doing. See, that, and that's why you have to watch the first three seasons, because I've never seen that Madison, ever. Even in season four, there was like a, a real sense of struggle inside her to keep this Madison in check. Jasmine, are you feeling that too? So like, you, it was just this, this strong undercurrent on top of the veneer, which held for the most part until she had to do what she had to do, which is also... Uh, Kind of sort of a Madison-esque move. The thing that we have to think about with season four is Madison wasn't this kind of I need to do right because I need to make up for something or anything like that. It was I need to show my kids a good example rather than anything else. Right. She figured something out about building a, a safe idea of what a future could be like. That was the takeaway from what the goal was of both Strand and Alicia in season seven. It was all leading to this point of like this example they took from Madison and doing it their own way rather than her way or w- whatever it was going to be. I can tell you what you were about to react to was Madison being the hero of the story. I think it was. I don't think that she can she can ever like fully redeem herself, to be honest. So I'm not too concerned about that. And I will be happy to see Madison do the right thing in certain instances. But I don't think she's going to steal the show and be like the sole hero. At least I hope not. No, and there's so much conflict waiting to be had between her and all the other characters. Victor, Charlie. Okay, can we get into this Charlie bit for one second? I've forever said that I do not think that Madison will have like some sort of conflict with Charlie. Everybody seems to think that's going to happen. And it just doesn't make sense because I feel like that's them inside their body going, I've never liked Charlie. I wish Madison killed Charlie. Like, what are you talking about? I think they solved that problem by giving her the radiation. Because of that, now it's like that's not even a it's a non-issue. As someone who is who is a Charlie fan, I wanted to see 
some kind of conference. That was one of the things I was looking forward to was like a confrontation between Madison and Charlie or some kind of resolution or, or closure sort of between them anyway. So the fact that they're going to, right. I wanted to see some kind of interaction between them. Cause that was, that was one of the things I was like, Oh, that'll be cool to see how they do that. But if they're not going to do that, no, no, just, I, I feel know, like they're going to do but, that. They I mean, may I feel- still have a conversation, but I think most people were like, Madison's going to kill Charlie, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's, but what she's they did not. to my Nick. Because Charlie <laughs> is dying. So like, she's, what is she going to kill her for? I don't know how they're going to do that since they're sending the Padre people after our raft people. Are they going to take Madison and Morgan with them? I mean, the final destination is going to be Padre at some point. So maybe that's a better question. Do all of you think that Madison will even see Charlie at all? I mean, I, I have to think that there has... I, I say have to, but it doesn't have to, right? I mean, she could even die on the way. I get the feeling that Charlie's going to die before they meet up. What do you think Madison's reaction would be to, to having... First of all, getting the knowledge that Charlie ended up killing Nick under specific circumstances that led up to that but then hearing that maybe alicia forgave her slash understood why she did what she did and allowed herself to befriend charlie i think that would actually make madison more sad because a lot of what happens and what what goes on in this episode is everything that i did was for nothing i did all this stealing of children to try to send to try to get a message out to my my kin and they ended up dying and then my kin saved Charlie, let's say, and she's now dying. So like even that was for nothing in a sense, even if they never meet. When Madison hears about this, I think part of her is going to feel really, really hurt, hurt by this. These little examples of like where it feels like they didn't do anything. All of saving them, all of having to keep them around this whole time was for nothing. And I, I, I'm here for it, to be honest with you. But like, I like things like that. It really kind of goes back to the last episode, which Sarah Beth Pollock says is that this isn't about things happening as much as it is diving into certain emotions and and getting into the gritty nature of what it takes to survive a super mega apocalypse, zombie or not. I I dig those feelings. I want to speak about a specific moment when Morgan finally reveals that both Alicia may be dead and Nick is definitely dead. That to me was the most compelling part the apex of this episode when she hears it she first of all i love that it's in this order it's it's similar to when jenny picks up the walkie in the beginning of season six and it's that morgan jones is dead you're dealing with somebody else now a moment where jenny is kind of like laughing to herself at first like seeing the box morgan's head ah, ha, ha, i got him blah 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 and every beat even in that moment is just gold and <laughs> she picks up the walkie here's morgan they have a little conversation back and forth. She's like, ah, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. If you show up, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, Morgan Jones is dead. You're dealing with somebody else now. And then her face. And then when Madison hears the news, in this order, she slams him against the wall. And then she collapses in a heap on his chest. What a great choice. That got me. And it got me so much that Aiden's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I forget that you're here. That's the problem. Like, I forgot for a hot second that you were here and you're like looking at my face as I'm reacting to this episode with you in a hotel room under shoddy circumstances, I might add. There's a laptop on a side table between two beds and I'm sitting on the floor or something. And he's like, hey, you down there. (laughs) And he grabs my arm and he goes, are you going to be all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Sure. maybe. But that was very emotional. I just wish it had been a bigger moment. It felt too me- mellow. The reaction was great, 
but it's like i don't know something was missing like in the lead up to me you wanted it to be what like over dramatized you know how they did the flash but not the flashbacks but like the the montage scene for alicia in the episode in amina where they were like showing the walkers and stuff that had happened previously and that added to like the emotion of that moment there could have been something else that had been done like maybe moments between madison and alicia and madison and nick you know had come up that would have made me feel more connected but it feels so far away for me now you don't think the tattoos was enough i think i mean no i did after last episode too but that's just my opinion no i'm just curious because like they did a little bit of that in the last episode and if you kind of watch the last episode with the neck with this episode you could feel that maybe a little yes, bit more but they're putting out one episode at a time this is the oh, thing like it's this in your is head like now. this is like the you know the fact that i went back and rewatched it made it better i shouldn't have to rewatch an episode for it to be better like it should just be good because you're gonna lose audience that way if an episode isn't great from the get People are not going to go back and watch it again. No, and I agree with you. I, I I think whatever you're feeling in the moment in that episode is valid. 100%. That matters. Another thing we say on the show every now and again. On the contrary, I kind of enjoyed that moment. I didn't necessarily have an emotional reaction because I'm not personally really connected to Madison in, in the same way that people that like Madison and Nick and like really like Alicia like I do like Alicia just not to like the same extent that a lot of people do but I did feel more than I thought I would for Madison in that moment and I quite enjoyed the reaction. I kind of agree with with Bridget I feel like it should have been bigger there should have been more to it than that I was under I was kind of underwhelmed I know their relationship with Alicia and Nick I did watch season four I have watched recaps and stuff so I mean I know the basics of one through three she should have had a little bit bigger maybe a little more dramatic reaction than that one of the things I noticed that is like a similarity between Madison and Alicia is when Alicia spent all the time after the stadium thinking that her mom died for a reason and that all the people survived and her mom had saved all those people and and they were doing good and then she met Cole and that theory was shot to hell because they were doing terrible things and they were being shitheads and Madison has spent all this time doing these terrible things thinking that she was her kids were out there living this great life and they were succeeding and she was going to keep them that way and the truth is they're they're both gone and they didn't do the things that she was hoping that they would so i mean when she found that out that everything that she hoped was for nothing i feel like she should have had a little more of a reaction to that well and this is also when she got the news too she didn't know all the extra stuff like oh alicia saved all of us essentially or this is something that i said in the last episode too is that classically madison has i'm not going to say muted her reactions she's had very emotional moments on the show it's just that her character i mean as presented throughout the series has often been more of a, what I would say, more of a chaotic neutral, leaning on the on the side of good, as if you're on her side, essentially, the side of usually survival. But it's it's more of a chaotic neutral. I was going to say, I feel like she, le- she kind of lent on the side of evil during season three. Well, that's why I say chaotic neutral. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to do that bad, to do good, you're kind of wavering on the line between the two sides. It really kind of explains a little bit of her friendship with Strand and how Strand expresses some of these things later on in the series, you know, as he's trying to be good. And then later on, he feels like he needs to do bad to do good in season six and then later on season seven. Okay, Huck. (laughs) Well, it's a common theme. So when you see that reaction 
for her, that was a lot. Everything in context. So when I looked at that moment, I'm like, this is a bigger reaction than we usually normally get from Madison. But usually. think of her reaction to Travis's death. I am. <laughs> a little. A it little. was big. I feel like it was bigger than that. And that was just Travis. That wasn't. These are her kids. She would do anything for her children. I mean, this is the entire story arc of Madison is that she will do whatever needs to be done, evil or not, for her kids. However, counterpoint, when Alicia does decide to go off on her own, it's not as, the, as though she doesn't have a reaction. She has a bit of a reaction. There's a bit of a push from her, but she lets her go. So it's not that inconsistent with her character. But again, everything in context, you have to realize she's been gone for however long, like maybe up to two years, let's say, from the time we last see her, I'm going to say. And if that's the case, think of all the children she has been ripping away from parents, similar to the way Victor Strand says you have to not love. You have to pretend that they're dead, essentially, in order to do what you need to do with these kids, steal them from their parents. They're better off without you. And each kid she takes chips away at a piece of her soul. So when she finally does react, it, it lacks the fuel to, to, to have maybe the impact that, you, that you'd want. I'm not saying I'm not saying that as an excuse to kind of but I'm like saying if you saw a more muted reaction, I, I saw her just being tired. It's kind of like having an argument with your parents about something that you are resolute on. And then they keep chipping away at you and they keep chipping away at you. Like for what some run reason, why don't you become a doctor, Jasmine? <laughs> and then and then you're like, Mom, I don't want to be a doctor. But like you're my confident parent, in your my parents would listen, my I'm, parents I'm projecting would like me now. To do whatever I would like to do. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to not talk about me right now. So <laughs> it's a long story. But like imagine having an argument that you're confident in your decision about, but like they're just on you and on you and on you. And then, like, at some point, you're like, you react in a way, but it's not the biggest way. It's like, hey, listen. So it's not like turning over a table and fuck you and storming out the door. It's more like, hey, can you stop? You're being annoying right now, Morgan, let's say, right in the moment. But there, of course, there's a bit of a sadness to it. There's like everything here I've done for nothing, but like, I, I don't have much of a soul left because all of this is chipping away at me. We've also got to bear in mind the fact that she's like, partially brainwashed at this point and also there could be reaction yet to come down the line there's a lot going on in this moment there's people like attacking the emotion might be there might be more to come to that like i don't think it's over as she comes more online you're saying but that's why this feels like a backdoor pilot to me because i feel like they're going to steer this show in another direction again so i would be happy to see her react in a in a drastically different way down the line that's why i'll keep watching you know, like, that's why I haven't stopped watching, because I'm like, I'm hopeful something else will happen. <laughs> so, Negative Bridget so all the time, every episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, and this is me liking this episode. I know, it's just I know. that, you know, this was a rough half season, dude. Compare this to one of the best episodes of Fear, and, like, it's not even remotely close. What is that in your opinion, though? Let's say, like, top couple, right? Like, the introduction of John Dory oh, Jr. Is took the safe route. <laughs> No, it's just I'm a kidding. phenomenal episode. Diddy was a great I'm character. He's a great character. <laughs> I really enjoyed some of the episodes in season three where they're they're at the ranch, which I I know is controversial, but I I enjoyed the storyline. Not to me. <laughs> with Taka, I thought that storyline was cool. I like that. And honestly, the first episode is great. Oh, everybody! Right. You're, I think you're the first person who said they liked the first episode. I like the first episode. <laughs> I don't like the first episode because I just didn't like Nick's character. So he ruined it for you. 
I don't even ruin it, but Frank I mean, I did. I, I I watched I watched the first season. There was a second season where things started to drop off for me, but immediately I didn't find any of the characters particularly likable in the first season, the first episode. Let me ask you another question, okay? Because I don't know if we've we've ever prodded you for this, but did you do the thing where you started watching in season four and then rewatched and went back to watch the first three, or how did it come about? For me, I watched season one. And then when season two first got released, like I watched the first couple and then I was like, I just, I just can't get into it. And then when season three came out, I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, oh, I just can't get into this. And then it was Morgan's crossover where I thought, you know what, this is, this is the last chance. If I don't enjoy it, it's not going to watch it. And then I was, as soon as like 401 John Dory introduction, I was like, this is amazing. Once I got through to season five, I was like, okay, I'm going to force myself through two and three because I want like the background on Victor. I, I want the background on Daniel. I want the background on um, Alicia. I want the background information. So I kind of forced myself through season two and three. And good thing you did because I feel like they did a, I think they did a decent enough job in seasons, seasons six and seven making you feel certain things about Daniel and Victor in specific. When you do watch those earlier mm-hmm. uh, earlier seasons, you get that feeling back again here and there. Little people, well, especially yeah. in that moment in Handle with Care, when, when he takes like the prosthesis out of his cheek, Daniel, that was, that was a rough moment. It really showed you the impact of that moment. You're like, oh, what happened to, what happened to Daniel? Oh, well, that, that's what happened to Daniel. You think everything was just all right? It wasn't just all right. He's been living with that the whole time. We say all this to kind of give us, give you our headspace when it comes to how we perceive this episode, because we're going to have different reactions to, to different moments. What if Padre is affiliated with the CRM and they're taking children because they say they're, they want to raise them without love, without mm. connections. You know, that's why the parents are bad. So they want to basically raise, have these kids that they can mold and shape to the CRM. And also Madison is afraid to leave because she's afraid that they'll follow her and you know and and go after Nick and Alicia and also they have the ability to find Nick and Alicia so what group has this kind of reach the CRM they're already in Texas we know that we know the CRM already has stuff going on in Texas so i'm thinking that Padre is just an offshoot of the CRM and that's why they're taking the kids is to train them to be in you know not to keep the, put them in the military you know make them part of the military like kind of like the Unsullied, right? The Unsullied oh, in Game boy. of Thrones. So literally, no, like child soldiers. You know, no outside connections or soldiers that they that they take as children and raise them without love and without connections, so that they can be. Perfect you, you know, it's soldiers. a lot like that. I'm just going to drop this right now. Is Halo the series? I forget what that's on. Actually, Showtime, Amazon Prime, I think it is. It's literally the premise of Master Chief. They take him as as a kid. It's very interesting when you see the dynamics of what it takes to raise somebody like that. Can I ask a question then? Because we see a sign in the background for like something Bayou or Bayou Bills or something. Oh, and it Billy's says, Bayou? Yeah, okay. it says Louisiana. So are is he in Louisiana now? Because that was my assumption was that he had traveled across the Gulf and he was in Louisiana. Yeah, if they were in the Galveston area, all he had to do was kind of go along the coast yeah, and they would be in cool. Louisiana. Go out to sea and come back in. Which then makes sense if they're filming in Georgia because it's drastically different from Texas, different right? Different yeah. Because yeah. it's it's swamplands mm-hmm. and it's, so it's, it's very wet and there's a lot more foliage than there's going to be in some of the Texas shooting locations that they had. Not that all of Texas is a desert because it's not and it has its own specific you know, area so yeah exactly but 
But it makes sense then that they would move shooting locations plus, you know, Georgia tax credit, which is really the reason why they're moving. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> That's the true reason why I'm filming. Right, right. With the Padre thing, I felt like they are very clearly going to use Sherry in some way. Right. Like, I, I agree. I think that's I felt, what Morgan had in mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, they're going to try to get Sherry in so she can like infiltrate mm-hmm. and they can find out more about it or whatever. Except Morgan basically just set our people with no warning, no indication that anything's coming. They're just floating in rafts. And all of a sudden these baby stealers are going to come and do who knows what. I mean, they're obviously not too open to strangers, so I can't imagine that they're going to be too kind. I am very interested in seeing an episode where, like, Sherry is suddenly in a facility by herself trying to get her way out. That would be a cool premise for a bottle episode. And just but. her, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you'd like that too, Sharon, because, I mean, look, we all like Christine Evangelista. It would be her Grady Hospital episode. Grady Memorial, right, yeah. <laughs> She'd just yeah. be in this facility. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, I mean, I would be, yeah. I would be cool with that, yeah. Again, Morgan. Ah. <sighs> Selling out every, I know, I know his idea is like, oh, we're going to go to Padre and find it out. And we're, you know, but just Madison played him at the end because she didn't even know where they were going. You know, they blindfolded her and him. But he was like, oh, we're going to go get my people. Were they going to that boat, though? The Coast Guard Yeah, ship. they were going to the boat that would take them to Padre. Yeah. Okay. I was like, are they going just to that boat? Is that where Padre is? This is dumb. No, no, like, no. Because no, I was no. like, you can clearly see that from the coast. That was another reason I was thinking maybe it's the CRM because... They are using old military. Technically, the Coast Guard's not the military, but you know what I mean. How much fuel does it take to run a boat that big, too? I mean, oh, that's fuel. like, yeah. that's serious. Like, that's serious fuel. These are people with, like, power. Of course, they are in Louisiana. They could have gotten oil fields, too. They could have oil fields because Louisiana's big in uh, refineries and stuff, so. Or coal, right? Because they have coal. It's coal country, too, I think. Or peat. Pete, well, Pete, yeah, because you're in the swamps. No, not so much coal, I wouldn't think, but big time oil. Right. As to the question of whether this is the CRM, I'm not ready to say that yet. There's some specific things that make me think that it could be, but then somehow, to me, it kind of goes off the rails. I'm more inclined to think that it's in line with the same philosophy as William Milton. And, And let me give you why, the reasons why. Pamela Milton, this is, first of all, we're talking about The Walking Dead. If you don't watch The Walking Dead, who who are you? Second of all, (laughs) we're in season 11, so catch up. Third, William Milton is Pamela Milton's father. I think the conclusion that we ended up drawing from one of the last few episodes that we saw in the second trimester was Pamela gets her ideology from the foundations that her father built to prepare this place for whatever contingency this was. We get the impression that from the second trimester, from the beginning of the second trimester, that this place was built upon the ideas of her father, that people should be in certain stations, that there should be different classes, etc. And so if that's the case, if he has that much of a particular idea about classes and how things should be run, my feeling is this would be more of a Commonwealth situation. Now, it doesn't have to be directly Commonwealth, but there is an ideology, at least, that may have spread to, let's say, maybe even Senator Vasquez, the Democrat from Texas, the Walker senator that Leisha was following, he was the one who had the Padre documents in the bunker. So if this is like a governmental idea that is shared amongst Congress people or senators, let's say, because William Milton was president in 80 something, he had his own coin, which is he was that big of a president uh, that he had his own little coin or whether it was commemorative or no, no, I think it was a commemorative coin, the one that 
Lance always keeps flipping. That is kind of not real. It's a whatever plated. So that's I'm leaning in that direction. But again, I don't know this. These people can be somebody else completely. That's why I hesitate saying it's the CRM initially, because that's a that's a classic misdirect because we've seen the CRM already in the series as earlier as the last season. And maybe we haven't seen them in a while, and which is why it could be the CRM. Like, oh, you remember us? We're we're still here. Do you see painted trees anywhere? If you're reading this, we're the CRM and we're coming for you. What do you think, Jasmine? To be honest, yeah, I don't really. Me neither, though. I'm just like in like this moment of there's not enough information for me to form any real solid theories. So I'm just like happy to see where things go. Same. I think it's a cool idea. I think it is, too. Yeah. Like all of yours. Yeah, the CRM, Commonwealth, whatever it is. I mean, I wanted to give you my thought process because, I mean, it's a good question. But moving on from that, there's something I kind of wanted to hit on. This is the only thing I really have, to be perfectly honest. I've only watched the episode once with Aiden and Tyler and and Aaron, who doesn't even watch the show. (laughs) Specifically, I wrote this in the premiere, which we just had. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to remind you. We only had a couple hours ago. In it, Rachel had said, the premiere for the last episode is what I mean, uh, 194. This is 195. In it, Rachel says... I bet the kids have been at Padre the entire time. And I thought, oh, what a- shit. <laughs> You're looking at a jigsaw puzzle and there's this one missing piece and it bothers you to fuck. And you think that jigsaw puzzle, that piece that's missing has been lost. And then if if it in fact it has been that the kids are, have been at Padre this entire time, season six and season seven, that would be so perfect because we are talking about kids, kids in the apocalypse. We haven't seen them since. I think that would be perfect. I would like that. And Rachel said it so perfectly. I think that would be awesome because I just want to know where the hell the kids are. And if they're alive at Padre, I'm totally happy with that. They would probably be separated from Tess and Samuels, too. Ranger Samuels. I hope Skidmark's there, too. Yeah, I don't really care about that. <laughs> and Nora's office people. And all the other people no, that we saved. Now you're asking too much. All the other people that we <laughs> saved. And, yeah, Padre just took them all oh, in. Oh, and, and let's, let's you know what? Let's add another log in the fire. Hey, I bet Kalataka Walker is there and Crazy Dog and all them peoples. Yes! <laughs> oh, no! What about all the people that we uh, that we saved in season five? All the people that we helped that joined our group. They're all there, Everybody's too. alive. Everybody's there. We said it was the caverns, but, you know, that, that apparently wasn't. Sharon, wasn't you know, it, you know so what this is, they're, right? They're, you know what? They're this is um, what if Madison like this is the common thing was what if what if Samuels is, is Madison? What is it? No. What if uh, what if the caverns is Padre? What if- <laughs> yeah. See, see, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> I would love that because I really would like to see Bailey, Ethan and Cooper. Yeah, I'd love to same. see them back. So it, it's, it's a, just that. a glaring so. puzzle piece. Again, it's a glaring puzzle piece that you kind of wrote off. You're like. I, I could look for this puzzle piece under the couch cushions and under the couch and under the bed. A and D is right in Padre. So Annie and Dylan, they're right there in the name. So who are R and P? Uh-oh. <laughs> Something's coming. Well, Samuels Ranger and uh, <laughs> Samuels. Nora. Nora P- Peterson is her last name. Oh, we figured it out. Yeah, Nora Peterson. There we go. Wait a minute. Is Ethan? No. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. Ethan, Ethan, the actor's name. Right, the actor's name. (laughs) I want, I want that on my wall. Like that, like spell. I call that like spell. All right, get to work, Sharon. I didn't expect this much laughter this episode. Uh, Let's hit on something directly in the face. Why? Team Ava. Can you explain that a little bit more? 
I also said Team Crab, so... All right, let's skip that. I liked Ava because she was a little badass. Smashing the tomb and getting her granddaddy's rifle out, like her granddaddy's shotgun out of the tomb. That was great. I loved that. She had this plan. She was going to get Madison. But that's what it was. She was after Madison. That's why I liked her. <laughs> Figured it I, out. Loved, I loved that she knew how to use the radios properly. <laughs> to fuck with someone instead of Morgan yet again over the radio like like hey Grace like, Grace I can't do this without you I'm, We're right, I'm yeah. right here in this raft I somehow tied up into four trees but nobody knows how because how did you get in it after it was tied up nobody knows maybe he told that over the radio but he found him and I was like I was like the radio again curse you radio it's like it's like the radio is the true villain of the whole show so what, so what you're saying is the radio talks to Morgan because Morgan's crazy hey when's the last time you talked to Grace huh yeah don't you want to tell her everything over a broadcast channel? Yeah? Come on, guy. You know you want to. <laughs> radio is like a drug. <laughs> Grace, my coordinates yeah. are these. I'm right here. Also, I have a baby. Is that Morgan's line? I, I'm right I here. I have a baby in case anybody would want to know that I have a baby with me. <laughs> Jasmine, we have to laugh so we, you know, instead of crying. <laughs> Uh, it's good. It's good. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to kind of circle back to the whole Madison thing a little bit for a little while, just just for a second, because kind of like what Bridget said, I thought it might have been good enough for you, Sharon, that having this Madison that isn't quite like a heroic or like this, not what people would have expected would have been enough for you. But then again, I haven't really we blocked and muted so many people on the Internet that we can't really see what their reactions are. I've, I've recently unblocked them, actually, because I kind of want to see what the reaction to this Madison is or like, I am friends with a couple of Madison. Okay. We had our issues at some point, but we found common ground and we are over that. So I have a couple of Madison friends and they seem to like this so far. Usually they come com complaining to me after every episode and they did not do this. <laughs> do you think even that their time. complaints has tainted your reaction of the show in some ways too? Like the complaints about the, se the se season thus far? no, I have my own complaints about the season. I'm usually in agreement with them when they come to me with it. But yeah. I watch before anybody says anything to me. Like I, when I get up on Sunday mornings, I don't even look at my messages. You know, I don't want anybody influencing how I look at the episode. I want to form my own opinions. This season really has just been disappointing on the whole. I need that too. I need that reaction, that general reaction from that contingent because I can't, I'm curious to see. I, I, I also haven't, with what I've gotten, have not seen too much pushback on this version of Madison, this basically soul-drained Madison, conflicted Madison. I am practically gone, Madison. But Madistans will also rationalize any of her actions to be good. They will rationalize any of her actions th so that they I, like I understand. her. That's what I'm saying. Like, whatever she does... They'll they'll make they'll make it okay. Yeah, I'm not sure I verbalized this actually, and I, I I don't know if I've even written it down. But that was actually one of my fears initially with her return is that you, they present you with a Madison that may be hard to root for. Because I wasn't it, it was, and let me explain my hierarchy of favorite characters. I mean, obviously for me, Morgan is top tier all the way, right, Jasmine? But th this is like TWU, like obviously TWD, but like TWDU, Morgan is it. On Fear the Walking Dead, though, it was Madison. So when I see somebody like Madison and Morgan face off, 
that's why I said I had a hard time rooting for, I, I wasn't trying to root for Madison. I saw immediately, I was like, oh God, I don't like what she's doing with my guy. <laughs> and of course, doing it in service of something that's kind of sucky. And then of course, leave it to the show to kind of get Morgan and Madison kind of on the same wavelength eventually throughout this episode, which is something that I also, we've also said in the past about even June and Morgan is that, look, it may look in certain instances like they're at odds, but essentially you have to create those, those circumstances because at their core, they're essentially the same person. They will occasionally dip out of their character to do bad, to do good or, but for the most part, they're good people. You know, they're really, really good people who want the best for everybody and they don't want to have to kill to do it, but they might. I guess when it comes to Morgan versus Madison this episode, Madison is legit doing something shitty. She took Morgan's baby. Yeah. So no matter what he's doing, he's kind of justified in it other than selling that's, our people But that's out. exactly it. That's exactly it. And I love how the show makes us struggle with that. I have another question for you guys based on this Madison took Mo thing. <laughs> Are we 100% certain that Padre got Mo? Oh, no, I'd like to hear this. Because they come back, right? Like, because they're going to go get a new egg. Just like, <laughs> that's funny to me. Incubate the, a new egg. And that they were the Oriole. So it's like all bird themed, which is funny to me. When Madison reaches out to them after she has Mo, she's like, Oriole, I'm heading to the drop zone now. So it's everything is bird themed. <laughs> and funny. she has her, she has her own name, too, which I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Because it said remember. like Jane or something or. Was it a J? Maybe it's just J. Like a blue J or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Leave it to me who didn't do notes. Ugh. <laughs> they go back to look at the drop zone, you know, because they went to go get a new egg. So like technically, theoretically, she should maybe still be there. And, and then when not. they and she's not. And Madison goes, oh, she must have been picked up earlier than I thought. And all I could think was and it only happened in the second watch. It didn't happen in the first one. In the second watch, I was like, oh, shit. Dude, there's just a baby sitting here. No one's watching this baby. Any schmo can just come up and be like, this is my baby now. Watch me kill somebody, baby, because I know you like that. You're into you know, that. That's, that's a really, really good observation or a potential. Misdirect. Yeah, like a red herring kind of. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it, you think it's this. It looks obviously like this, but it's not this, you know, like, oh, just... they're obviously with Padre. Right. But there's no confirm. I don't know if there's no confirmation. I, I didn't watch the episode again, but but no, that's that that would be an interesting twist to all. Well, of I don't this, I don't think they talk makes, about it again after that. So like other than like, I have to get my baby like that was it after that. Right. But. Right. Which makes Morgan selling out Sherry all the worse. Yeah, yeah, all see? for nothing. But that's the like more interesting. Right. Yeah. That's a more I interesting storyline. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting, but like I think Rachel would probably interject here and say, mm, "I don't like this complication." Mm, like you know, it, why can't we just go in one direction and just stick with it? That even annoys me a little bit. It's like, oh well. If her call sign or her call name is Jay, Blue Jays are aggressive and territorial. <laughs> They'll attack intruders and predators. Accurate. And they also will raid nests for eggs and young birds. Oh, I like it. Sharon D coming in clutch again. I mean, Mr. Blue Jay on my shoulder. Get the fuck off. <laughs> Get the fuck off. <laughs> They're also both um, baseball teams, Oriole and Blue Jays. Oh, that's that's cool. Okay. Uh, and also the diamond, the Dell diamond was a baseball state, baseball pitch, pitch, 
What the fuck is a baseball stadium, right? Mm-hmm. It yes. was called the stadium. Yeah. It was the, technically the armadillos, I think it was. Which yeah, I know, but they called the it birthday. the stadium. So Right. The Dell Diamond or something. Well, no, I think it was the Dell Diamond in real life. And it's called the Diamond on the show. But anyway, cool. Nice little information. But let's go back to Ava. So on the one hand, I kind of agree with, with your sentiments of Team Ava. And I remember like when Morgan lets her leave to try to get her baby back, even though he kind of warns her, please just, just stay behind I'm not going to stop you. And which is kind of like a switcheroo from when she, from when he does stop Alicia from killing Naomi at the time or Laura or June. But then he lets her go. And I thought that was a very and now that I'm thinking about it, because I haven't had time to think about it, I thought that was a very interesting choice. And at the end, I was like, libertarians, which is kind of like, OK, it is a change for Morgan in a sense. The Morgan of the past would be like, nope, I'm going to knock you out so you don't kill yourself. But he lets her do it. And he does have a problem with that. But let me get your opinion first. The reason for this is because, yeah, hashtag Team Ava. But when Morgan finally decides to not be Morgan, Sharon D, does, does that bother you? Because Ava dies. So was Morgan's decision, this is the question, was Morgan's decision to let Ava go a wise one? I mean, obviously not. But like, what was he supposed to do? Be Morgan? <laughs> Well, they were also going against a group that he has a gripe with, too. So they were going to go against the people that took Mo. So maybe he felt that way mm. about it, too. They didn't let him have her try. And maybe it wasn't so much her, but the other people did bury him up to his neck right. in the sand. Fuck those guys. But not so, you. I see you. To. Get in the yeah. hole. So, so no. So, but the question I really have is, is, <laughs> is, was Morgan's decision wise? Just like, was it just like a happy medium or was it a wise decision? What? Letting Ava go in the first place. I mean, trying to get her to stay. Well, uh, is he her dad? She can make up her own mind. She was wrong. She did the wrong thing. But why is it always up to Morgan to decide who does what? Consequences aside, I think I I agree with that decision, too. I, that's why I said libertarian. <laughs> Whatever. Jasmine, what do you think about that, though? Because you could have a bone to pick with that. I remember in the moment, like on my first watch through, like, you know, like part of me was like, oh, come on, Morgan, try harder, you know, because mm. I liked her character and I didn't want to, I didn't want to see her character, even if they didn't die, like go in a different direction. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed, like in the actual moment, but like as like a whole, like rationale in context of the whole episode, like it didn't overly bother me. Like I, I can see why he wouldn't have fought it. But you know, when you're like in the moment and you're like, oh, come on. I was actually happy that he had a dialogue instead of like a, like instead of pointing his bow axe stick and going, not, not over my dead body that you're going, that kind of sort of thing, you know, but as so Bridget, what do you got? I, I'm, I'm really curious about this because it is. It's different than Morgan's usual behavior. Well, good, because growth is good, right? Growth keeps the character interesting. But I am sad about Ava. I did like her character. I shouldn't have been surprised, right? Because, like, how many new characters were introduced this season that, like, died immediately? And also yeah. there was, like, almost a death every episode. So another running should have been prepared. I wasn't. I was slightly shocked by it at the end. Just like Morgan. And it, it yeah, that reaction that was very Morgan. So that was still within character. The panic, the like frozen in fear and regret was very yeah. Morgan. So like I was thankful that they gave him that little bit, but still had the growth to be like, no, let me talk to her. But part of this whole thing, the reason why it worked and the reason why I liked it is that Ava is a mom first and foremost, right? She obviously had a husband 
Jim, I'm assuming, was his actual name. She was probably using that, like, as a thing. But there's obviously more to that character, but she is a mom. And at all she wants to do is get her child back. There's not going to be any stopping that. And Morgan knows that from having Dwayne and then also from having Mo now as a child that he's caring for. You're going to put everything into that. There's no stopping a parent. I mean, think of like, think of moms lifting cars with sudden adrenaline bursts because that's how important their children are to them. There was no other option. She was going to go. I'm glad that he took a step back and didn't do that forceful thing because it's weird and it's like not a great character look trait. I don't love (laughs) it. So I'm glad that he didn't. And I'm glad that we're seeing him move away from that. I mean, I happen to think it's a great character trait. (laughs) Just a man telling a woman when to shut up and sit down. Yeah, You're not going after your kid. (laughs) Zip her yap and make me a sandwich. Anyway, let's close the book on this because I just want to do one more insight within this conversation. When I saw that he lifted the bag over her head. Sorry. When I saw that he lifted the bag over the walker's head and saw that it was Ava Walker, I immediately thought of Rachel at the end of season six. Actually, did any of you feel feel that immediately? Now that you've said that, I can see it. But who I actually thought of was the walker at the end of 401 when he sees the guy in the um, car and then he sees him later. And he kind of I mean, he doesn't react the same way, but it's kind of makes him step back a minute. And, you know, then he then he kills him. But that was what it made me think of more than (laughs) yours is better than mine. I got to tell you, because that makes more sense narratively. Which is why I'm glad I asked this question, because it illustrates in these two moments, Morgan trying in his meager way to help. But then because where he's at in the moment in 401 is I just don't want to be a part of the world. I don't want to be connected to this world. I want to be alone, et cetera, et cetera. And then he sees this guy. He's like, I'll give him some food and go. And then he sees the Walker version of that guy walking down the road. And he's and he's thinking to myself, I was responsible for that. I could have done more to maybe that guy refused his help because he gave him he gave him medicine. He gave him medicine and bandages. And the guy said, take it back. I don't want it. And then this one, he was trying to help somebody. And it's the same thing still happened. They still ended up a walker. But yeah, the whole Rachel thing. Well, the reason why it feels weird and different, though, when I actually saw that scenario and thought of Rachel I thought he felt more for Ava in that moment than he did that he did for Rachel in a sense. Of course, when he saw Rachel, he was like, "Oh, Rachel, no, oh no, oh no," because he he stops her with his boax thing. He's like, "Oh no, 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 no." But then, like, I felt like he felt it more with Ava. That maybe he and maybe it's because he felt like maybe he could have stopped her. Maybe with Rachel, it's like I wasn't even there. So maybe that clears that up in my brain. Like, oh, why was his reaction to Ava more than Rachel? Let's say. I wanted to square that circle. Okay, Jasmine, you're done, huh? Rata juice. Yeah. Night, everybody. Thank you <laughs> for joining night. us. We missed you very much, and I'm we're glad that you you came on to give us your takes and stuff. It was nice to be on after missing a few, so I don't know how many. I yeah. am very tired. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Good night. I hope. Bye. Bye. Did anyone find out what um, type of hammer that was that Madison had? Was it like a blacksmith hammer? Oh, you're talking about the weapon she used? The, with yeah. Kind of like a uh, Lord it's of like the Rings a giant, weapon. It's like a giant hammer, which is just so fitting for her because that was like her weapon of choice. Oh, 
Wow, I didn't even think of that. Bang, bang, Madison, silver hammer came down on his head. <laughs> bang, bang, Madison, silver hammer made sure that he I like was it. dead. A, it looks like a war hammer. B, it looks like one of those hammers, like a modified version of what a sledgehammer would be. Madison's going to nail somebody. <laughs> A wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean? Oh, know no, what no. I mean? I, was, I might immediately yeah. thought, who's in, in the immediate vicinity? I'm like Morgan. I'm like, oh. There's some serious Morgison shippers really? out there already. It does so. kind of look like the Warhammer, I guess, to a degree. Well, the, which looks like Magna's weapon. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. This is the little... No, but it doesn't. It looks like it looks more like a sledgehammer, which would be more accurate for her. Yeah, like, I it, thought it was like. Think a, of Madison's little like a, mini hammer. Like a blacksmith. <laughs> hammer it's like yeah it's like slightly pointed on one side well i mean even a blacksmith's hammer is handheld more or less it's not this big you know as big as it's like it's not meters it's more like a even if it's like larger it's like a two-handed because you have to hit that thing i'm envisioning like the old blacksmithing like you know where they would like throw it like down it was like a big hammer over their shoulder yeah it was like a big one Maybe. Well, I don't know. If I'm not sure. See, if anybody is, knows, can you just like tell us what kind of hammer it is, please? Th- this is what research would would help with, uh, honestly, really. But but the obvious link to all this is we, t- we talked a little bit about Alicia seeing the kid version of herself have the hammer to kill that walker, which we linked to Madison's hammer, both killing Troy and also building a home for Charlie. And then Sharon, you mentioned Nick as well. But obviously the hammer is meant as a is supposed to be a tool, but it is used to dispatch people. But then to see Madison have a comical version of what her hammer would be like, which is strictly for death. I will say those scenes where she used it, though, were pretty cool. When she's in the sand and she like knocks all their legs. Like, I just love that it has that momentum to carry through. That was right. really cool. I really liked that. It was weird, but I did like the oxygen thing because it does make sense. Right, smoke inhalation and all yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if you guys got to that earlier while I was gone, but... No, 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 um, we didn't even... I thought it was a cool little tidbit that I was like, that makes sense. And then I loved that Morgan found the oxygen tanks earlier in the episode, and then that's how he knew where to find Madison after she had taken Mo. And I was like... Right. So Perfect. That was good. Yeah. That was good stuff. Sorry. Morgan P.I. <laughs> yeah. I wanna, now I want to see him in a mustache. Yeah, get that man a mustache. <laughs> And a Hawaiian shirt. Like a porn stash. I would pay good money to see a porn stash and a, I would, and a Hawaiian shirt. On I a, would not be opposed to Lenny James doing a reboot of Magnum P.I. I wouldn't be mad about that. AMC. Knock, knock. That's your next big I know they idea. redid it. Who Damn plays it. Higgins, though? That's the question. <laughs> Ethan Seuss. <laughs> Josh McDermott. Yeah, sure. sure. Nailed it. Just nailed it. <laughs> As always, Sharon. <Charity. laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we also don't have too much to go. I mean, I really liked this episode. I really liked the reintroduction, how it was complicated and messy and, and all that. I, I I have no complaints on my end. None. I did in my first watch. Um, like I said, I just had a rough time within the first watch. And that was just because like I felt like it was really out of character for Madison. But then on the second watch, when I, I caught that, there's just that one line about Padre played me. And I was like, see, if you had talked about that a little bit more, maybe I wouldn't have been so mad during my first watch. But you could see that Padre is playing her. Not yet. Well, you I know, mean, like you could see Yeah, it. but like, was she aware of that? <laughs> like, I just, I liked that she brought it up and she was like, now I'm aware. 
And also the reason I didn't want to see my kids is because I did all this stuff and I know that it's bad. Like, I just wanted her to be like self-aware. I was like, what is happening? You know what? The, I, I don't think I was bothered because here's the thing. We spent a whole season. This is great. I love this. We spent a whole season of Victor doing his best to not love Alicia specifically. To be the person who says love is what ruins. And she says this. She's love is what entanglements are what ruins settlements. And the only way to survive is to it just cut that part of you out and just and look, it works for her. She can live, but she doesn't want to. And she's selling. She's parceling off her soul in exchange for helping these people get these eggs, quote unquote. And yeah, she's surviving. She's OK. She's safe. She's getting her oxygen, whatever. Is that living, though? It, one would argue that you're not living. I mean, you're kind of in service of others. You're you're a slave, essentially. I mean, that's what it takes. Right. And but here's my real point. My real point is of those two people, Victor and Madison, I see Madison capable of doing that, capable of of reaching to depths that Victor can't go because we've seen Victor turn a corner and it looks different on him than it did Madison. It looked like in a different world where Victor didn't have to grow up the way he did, maybe got attention for his father. He would have turned out differently. I think I don't think he would have felt like he had to con for love or con for success, let's say, or be grandiose, like to use a word that we've all used, but including Sharon D. Or no, and, and you, Bridget, too, that he feels he has to be grandiose to be loved when he kind of exhibits it very well in this season or tries to, at least. But if you had to compare Victor and Madison, maybe you guys can react to that. Madison would be able to pull that off where Victor just falls short. I think we might all agree to that. Let me give you the perfect scenario. Madison and Victor trying to build the tower for a a legacy or maybe Madison's version of the tower. Madison would would succeed. And Victor, we see Victor, cannot. Strand would have been yeeted immediately. Assuming the same philosophy, right? Yes. Because there can only be one, right? The Highlander theory. Oh, God. (laughs) There can only be one. Yeah. What do you think, Bridget, though? I, I see you wavering. You're I like, don't I don't know. want to think about this. I don't know. That's Why do you a, do this to me? It's such a big theoretical. I, I don't mean, you know. To, this is more of a gut reaction. Like, of the two people, who of would succeed? Of the two, like, who is more, like, savage in their, like, yeah. guttural reactions? To th- yes. Your gutter reaction. It's, Ma- it's Madison. It's Madison. Yeah. It always has So been. why was all this buildup important? It shows the differences. And I'm kind of glad that these people took her away <laughs> because, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> she gotten involved. This would have turned out a lot worse <laughs> for everybody. I mean, I think Alicia would be dead a lot sooner, too. Or under her auspices. Or I don't like to think about those things, per se. But like just the, the, the little hypothetical of <laughs> at, the, at the penthouse of that tower. It would you be know, Madison. You're right. Alicia would be fine because Madison would have killed the senator, the senator like immediately and been like, you're insane. Please stop trying to talk to this walker. I'm killing him. Like, that's how that would have gone. Right. She wouldn't let her go off and do her own thing. Are you sure Madison wouldn't have just stood Teddy down and made sure he didn't set the bombs off too? To, I mean, that's, to be fair. Yeah. Be she, she, she is really good at like, well, and Morgan. And Madison's good at making herself like a vital piece of something and then like killing the person in charge. It's like her thing. Like- but she's also good at what Rachel would say. And I, I love that I'm subbing in for her. <laughs> but if I know her like I know her, she Madison's good at making mistakes, too, guys. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'm she's sorry. great at that. 
So a lot like Rick, good intentions. But, and she tries and she usually succeeds way better than Rick because she can dig deep. Yeah, she can dig deeper than Rick. Well, she's like so self-sabotaging. It's why so many it's why people have such a strong reaction to her. Either they love her or ha- they hate her because either they recognize something in her that they see in themselves or they're like, dude, why does she keep screwing everything up all the time? <laughs> well, not, it's not like all the time. She just does things in a twisted way. And sometimes they work. But when they don't work, it's catastrophic. Like Troy. Oh. It worked for a little while. And Troy. and f- w- that's the thing about like, I just to drop a pin on that. That's why I liked that moment. Like I wasn't mad at her. Like I, I was mad at first. Like, why are you stringing along this guy? Because what do you, you're like poking the bear, the hornet's nest, you're, and you're relying that you can control the situation. And she was all the way through the season, too. And you're like, is this working? It was so creepy. I did no, it not, was, it, it was, was creepy. Totally I did not creepy. care for that. But in the greater t- context of the universe, you're like sitting there being like, I know shit works differently in the Walking Dead universe because we've seen people do things like this and it works. And so like when I see it, like, okay. All right, I'll relax a little bit. It seems to be working. <laughs> Everybody seems to be safe in a Teotwaki. All right. And then at the end, it's kind of like, oh, oh, oh no, oh, so much worse than oh, it would have been otherwise. <laughs> oh, they were safe for a little while, but you're just delaying the inevitable. There's a there's a match and you're surrounded by powder kegs. <laughs> so, well, what, what did you think would happen? But so, and this is me being fair. Like, it's like it worked. It worked. I don't know how, but it worked. Sometimes will is a very powerful thing. And okay, this is a good pin to drop because well, let's jump back to the episode. Where is Madison's will? It is gone. Like the title of the episode, it's gone. I mean, all that's left is the commitment, but without the drive, you know, like I'm, I'll do this. I'm your, I'm your tool, Padre, to find these eggs. I'm your J, let's say. But then what is it worth, right? There, there's no will behind it. There's like, oh, well... <laughs> It means I could send a message off to Alicia. Maybe I'll do that. To stay away is what she said, right? I think that's what she, why she wanted to message Alicia. I'm okay, but stay away. I don't remember her met saying that she messaged Well, no, the whole Alicia. point of her doing all this. The whole point of her doing all that was to find her kids until she realized that she didn't want them to see what she was doing or what she had done to find them. And then Morgan's like, well, why didn't you just walk away? And she's like, because I was afraid that they would find my kids and make them do what I wouldn't. I don't remember her like wanting to message Alicia or right. anything like that. Oh, that's interesting. So now that I'm thinking about that, it is kind of like Victor. Victor says in the beginning of the season, because it's still season seven, it feels like forever. Doesn't it? It does, right? This season felt long. So in the beginning of the season, he says to Will, I'm doing this so Alicia can never come here. Like, I'm doing this to build a legacy. I'm not doing it. I don't love her. I, I, I do, but I love is not what you need right now. And then it turns into something different. It, ter- it turns into like, well, you're like a daughter figure to me. And I can't run away from this. And no matter what I do, I'm stuck to this thing. So at first, so it's the opposite with Madison. At first, it's like, I need to get back to my kids. Maybe if I do this, because th- it's Madison. Maybe if I do a couple shitty things, I can get back to them. But she's done so many shitty things that she can't, she feels like she can't possibly go back, come back to them. She's made herself gone, effectively. That's okay. I like when you play with themes like this. Like, you have to separate yourself from love to keep them safe. Because if you don't, it's like, I'll do whatever you want. No problem. I don't need to message Alicia. Let's keep them safe. And like, that's why I asked of the two people who could do it. And it is Madison. And that honestly, oh, I love this. Because Sharon D, we've brought this question up multiple times. And with Madison, 
you had, or not with Madison, but you had said there are some people that can survive perfectly fine without love. And that's all they need. Madison, <laughs> you, just, you called me out. I feel attacked. But don't you think maybe she was she was surviving because she still loves her kids. That's what still kept her alive. But now she knows they're dead. So what will does she have to go on? That's now? Unless it's because, oh, wait a minute. Alicia may not be dead. Let's they're go not, look for they're her. They're not going to do that. Maybe that's where I can going. tell already they're not going to do that. I mean, I know that Morgan kind of says that. It's like, oh, you, you don't know your daughter. She's, I know my daughter, you dumb idiot. <laughs> no, but she, I think the show is going to angle towards the direction of like, you know, let's assume she's out of the picture. But we'll and so leave a right. tiny crack in the door just in case. Madison's whole mantra is no one's gone until they're gone. And her daughter is not gone, maybe. And she's just going to let I it go. I think that's, I think given what she's been through. And so maybe that's the answer to the question. She's been through so much that it's broken her to the point where she doesn't believe her own mantras. And I think that's interesting to me. I think it's compelling when you leave somebody that broken and they and you're right. They have no nothing really to live for, except for maybe picking up somebody else's banner, maybe a righteous banner. You know, I'm gone, but you don't have to be. That sets the series up or at least the next season up for something that is just just uncharted waters. Because what does that make Madison? So Alicia's living for her mom's legacy, and now her mom is going to live for Alicia's or not, legacy? Or not one at all. Like, she's just carrying it over. Freaking legacies. Come on, man. Or unintentionally, too, because she doesn't know. You know what I mean? Like, unintentionally, like, picking up Alicia's banner, because if this is what she died to achieve, I'll carry it. All she has to do is talk to Strand, and Strand will tell her exactly what was going on. That's going to be so of course, they're getting ready. They're getting ready to attack all the people on the raft. So maybe not. I, I'm just so because the, the more you talk about this, the more my mind races to possibilities. And I think having possibilities opens the field because it feels like in this season, we started off with possibilities, even in a nuclear nuclear wasteland where it feels like possibilities are narrowed. At first, you're like, OK, what could happen in this scenario? And then as you go through the season, it feels like, oh, no, nothing is possible. We went from the impossible is possible season five to nothing is possible. And now that you're looking at this from a 30, like a 30,000 foot view, you're like, oh, my God, we went from beer bottle balloons in the sky where you can do anything to like you can do nothing and you'll be happy. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're not. When you frame it like that, I find that super annoying, but also in, (laughs) in another way, a little compelling because Yes, the showrunners are jerks, <laughs> but at least they broke out of it's, it's it's funny because they're jerks because seasons four and five were like, oh, what is this? The impossible possible thing. Oh, you, you don't like the impossible. Oh, here, here's a nuclear bomb. Let's make let's take that away. You asked for, what you asked for it. You you, you don't like you don't, <laughs> you don't like I never asked for that shit. You know what I mean? It's the uh, it's the it's the others. I liked the. Impossible I did too. Possible shit. That was why I liked seasons four and five. I did too. I, I'm gonna admit. I'm. I'm like. It's like I'm a Rick Stan at heart. I'm like a Morgan guy. Oh, of course, I like the impossible as possible. God damn it! But then I find it kind of funny. From beer bottle balloons to rafts in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're at, folks. Okay, so here's the last question of the day. I think, given what what we got from this episode. Does it make you, I'm not going to say excited for the next season, but does it make you interested in seeing what happens next in the next season? Excited is, I'm not that hopeful. Even I'm not excited more than I am, like, I'm very interested in seeing what could happen next, just given what has been presented to us. 
at least with the rafts getting attacked, we might actually have everybody in this season. I agree. That is my hope for season eight is please stop with the anthology style and have everybody in the episodes again. So I'm hopeful for that. Right. I'm hopeful for that. Or if you're going to, at least if they're going to do the anthology style storytelling, they're at least in the same setting. They're not spread across Texas. I am tired of my, my favorite characters being in two episodes a half season. I'm, I am tired of that. Everybody except Morgan, Alicia, and Strand, they all are in two, epi- two maybe three episodes a season, a half season. I, I'm tired of that. I want everybody back in our episodes again. What is... Okay. You, <laughs> you're going to come at the end We're of the episode. We're wrap wrapping up. up. And she's like, hey, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> Okay, you know, maybe we can weigh in. Let's, Bridget, you go this way. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Bye, guys. Hi, guys. Okay, we we just asked the question. <laughs> oh, given, a, a, this is going to be great. Given. It's <laughs> <is> not good. <laughs> given, given the entire episode, the events of this entire episode, not season, that's been on the table, I'm not going to say, are you excited about what? <laughs> About the next season, but are you interested in seeing what comes next? Like, is it like, okay, I'm in. Or is it like, uh, I'm not hopeful. Oh, boy. I had to frame it right. (laughs) (sighs) Look, I've already bought a ticket. I'm here for the ride. I'm not going anywhere. Is there anything in particular that makes you... Excited? No. I mean, not excited, (laughs) but like... How about things that you might be interested in seeing in the next season, like that has been presented? Well, it'll give I mean, you, sure. They it'll did, give you the opportunity did, to talk about Madison or Morgan, too. But yeah. No, who? I know. They did I know. a great job. I, I, I will say I think they did a good job setting up Padre. I, I am very intrigued about Padre. I am. Okay. They got me on the hook. OK. OK. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> And with that, everybody, no, Bridget. <laughs> what the? Get in the hole. So, okay. So, if we're going to get more lines like that, I'm in for this. What the? Get in the hole. What the? <laughs> we're going to get delivery like that. I'm in. As much as the people who listen to this podcast must be like, this bitch hates this shit. I do not. I don't hate it. I promise you. I like it. I am, However, I am eternally optimistic that it will get better. <laughs> so, but so I'm hopeful. No, I'm very hopeful. There's no but. I'm very hopeful. I want to. I want to. I want to move on. I'm assuming Sharondy shared her. Oh yeah. Theory. Yeah. 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 Theory. Yeah. Oh, but I like the CRM. It. I like it. I love. Yeah. I like this theory. I do. I like it. But uh, but as but. I expressed to Sharondy, it's it's it makes too much sense. It's yeah, too good. That's what I said. And so therefore they won't use it. It'll be something far dumber. And, and that is why you're out. And that's yeah, why. Yeah. It's quit making sense. It's gonna be a yeah. no for me, here. dog. But Brett Br- <laughs> <laughs> But Bridget, same same qu- same framing with Rachel. Like, are there any pieces that you're particularly interested in? I am excited to see and I don't know if it'll happen, but potentially for Madison and Strand to be reunited. That was such a good friendship. I just, I loved how close they were with each other. You know, I think back to like when they first 
started like really clicking and they're like drinking whiskey at the bar at the hotel like that's i just like i want that back again i'm interested to see what will happen how all these elements of the storylines will be brought to like an end where like charlie killed nick and so now madison is going to learn that which like we didn't ever know if that would happen so i'm i'm ready we're gonna see what happens maybe you'll see more of this the the one the bitch that you're like that chick does not like this show she's talking so much shit or maybe you'll see me be like i like this show guys i'm so excited so she starts getting emotional again and like a positive <laughs> way like, oh, I, know. I mean i won't oh, lie so i cried again. i cried with the the daniel and and charlie moment and even the strand yeah. and alicia moment same so yeah. So it still has its moments where it gets to me, but I get spicy yeah. when I think about it. Yeah. So here's hoping no more spice. Let's have just bland ass American food from now on. OK, just <laughs> just macaroni and butter. And just that's it. Potatoes, <laughs> just buttered noodles <laughs> for me. For me, though, for me, similar to the whole strand and Madison thing, but not. This is a lot like Laurie saying to Carl, you're going to beat this world. I want to see if Strand lives up to Alicia saving him. Because Sarah Beth Pollock said in the last episode something that really kind of resonated with me, which was the world needs, or this group at least, needs a Victor Strand in it in order to survive. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that I agreed with it at first, too, by the way. But then the more I thought about it, it's like... Yes, you could fill that in with Madison, but Madison's not you, all there. You know what I mean? Do you mean they need someone to hate? Because I could agree with that. Well, they imagine need someone to rally against. More along the lines of using Victor's skills on behalf of our group, which hates him right now, by the way. What are his skills? He's a con man, baby. He's a con man, baby. He's got charisma. Mm-hmm. He does have charisma. I will give him that. He does. But at this moment, everyone in our group, anyway, has seen through it. Like they're not yeah. buying that shit anymore. No, they're they're all at Daniel level now. <laughs> they're all at Daniel level mm-hmm. strand of like fuck this guy. You're like you're up to no good. But here's the thing that that's what makes this so compelling to me because here you are on one hand, Victor knowing everybody hates his guts, but knowing that he's been spared for a reason, and so you put him in the middle of that, and I just want to see what that what that does. I want to see what happens with that. That's what I'm here for. Like, there's all these different pressures on Victor now. It's like, you you were saved, and now you got to live up to that sacrifice. I'm not thinking of Madison. I'm thinking of Alicia in this one. So hats off, Alicia Demcarry. I'm watching Victor now. <laughs> <laughs> you you sent that guy off on a rat on a boat for a reason, and I want to see what happens with that. There's so many, fa- so many pressures against this guy. What do we see out of that? Uh, if you want a parallel, Victor mm. could... Um, sacrifice himself to save Madison. Is that going to redeem him, though, in everybody's eyes? Like, really? 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 Well, yeah. We still have to deal with Madison, one. And he threw a ton of people off the tower. We've got two baby kidnappers in our midst now, so, like, does it really even matter anymore? (laughs) That's a very interesting uh, narrative parallel. Like, him kidnapping baby mo and madison having just kidnapped a shit ton of kids mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so actually and so just taking one step further and i felt like sarah beth was just about to say this this is a very interesting thing you need a victor to keep a morgan in check too because it's nice to have a morgan that has ethics and morals and stuff like that but you you can't have rick without the shane even though rick took on shane 
So, and I don't see in look, season six was Morgan trying to be somebody else now and it not quite working. You need that Victor. You need that, that person that's capable of taking that next step that well, doing the things that he, that other people aren't willing to do to get done. But just like you need a Victor, you need a Morgan to go slow down. Victor is enough. Okay. Let me go back here. <laughs> you, you all want to kill me still. So that's interesting to me because Victor has like an ethical dilemma here. Victor has a pebble in his pocket. That's what <laughs> I want to see. He has a lot to live up to. So I'm here for that. I'm here for all of that. So if you like what you heard and you want to hear more in season eight of Fear the Walking Dead, how about you head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead. Give us five stars in eggplant. It's all we need to know that you love us. But if you uh, want to say more, if you want to say less, if you want to say anything at all, love us or hate us, let us know after every episode. It's a great way to communicate with us your thoughts. It's a great way to get your name out on the internet because we will post your thing. Make sure to include your social accounts so that we can do that. And if you really like what we're doing and you want to follow us in our journey and lend your thoughts in the episodes as we record them for free in the general public, create a free account at ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy us a coffee, give us any money whatsoever. You don't have to join a membership tier. All you got to do is follow. If you see something you want to participate, if you want to get the unedited episode recordings, you can tip us for 30 days of supported back content, or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar and receive those benefits in perpetuity. Or, hey, take a look at the other two tiers, see what you like. And if you like the survivors tier, there's a couple spots left. You can join us on camera and mic for these episode breakdowns and lend us your thoughts with your voice mouth face. And with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by what? The face voice, mo- voice, voice mouth, mouth face. Voice mouth face. Yeah. <laughs> voice mouth face. What? Yeah. What? Voice. <laughs> voice mouth. This bitch face. had unlimited mimosas. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, look. When you get a text message from your parents that says, We have too much beer, come drink some of it, you don't say no. So here we are. <laughs> You're basic. <laughs> <laughs> and with that everybody i've been your host david cameo that was joined by cosmom 9 rachel bird of the 11th hour sorta <laughs> sharon day aka blazy gardner and survivors tier members bridget x prophecy girl on twitter and ate my first roadie on instagram and of course we loved her we missed her you missed her rachel jasmine jasmine.ic uh, on instagram jasmine went to bed early well, yeah. you know, or on time. You know, like after midnight <laughs> or late. Or late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you next season. No, we'll see you probably for Tales of the Walking Dead. Who the fuck knows? And we're going to have some, rate. some cool interviews and like other stuff. So like still look at the channel, man. Tune in and shut. Yeah, we've always got something for you. We've got a ton of shit for you. So <laughs> take care, everybody. With a middle finger. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Undoubtedly Bye. soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my goodness, you made it to the end of this episode. The season finale of Fear the Walking Dead seventh season. The sixteenth episode titled Gone so happy you made it to the end of this cover coverage it's been a long season as we kind of mentioned during the show and uh 
we're just happy to give you the content that we give you every week uh Obviously, we're not really taking a hiatus of any kind. You're going to get some more content as we as we go. We have tons and tons of interviews and some overdue stuff that we did for Pandemic. Interviews, B-roll, a whole bunch of things we're waiting for you on audio as well, not just on our YouTube page. So stay tuned. We got a ton of Better Call Saul content that we have to push out. Uh, and we're going to probably try pushing out next week. But in any case, thank you. And the people that we have to thank the most are our Survivors tier members, uh, two of whom joined us on the show today, because that's what you get when you join the Survivors tier. Those folks are, of course, those who are with us today. Bridget, ex-Prophecy Girl on Twitter and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram. Jasmine, jasmine.iac on Instagram. And let's talk about Eliza Jones 71 on Instagram, as well as, let see, Real Ryan GM on Twitter. And let's not forget uh, FanArtLindy, that is ko-fi.com slash FanArtLindy. Check out her art. Now, before we continue, I just want to let you know that you too can join the fun by just following us at ko-fi.com slash Dead. You create a free account at ko-fi.com, follow us there, and you'll be in the know when we record, when unedited episode recordings drop, and if you feel inclined to participate in any meager way, you can just tip us for 30 days of supporter back content. You'll get the unedited episodes and a, a whole host of other things right off the bat. And if you decide to join the family for as little as a dollar a month, the Walker's tier is a buck a month. Uh, the Whisper's tier is $7 a month, and you get 50% off the merch store and the ability to join us on camera and mic uh for our jackbox games uh sessions and also we do often sometimes include whisper uh, whispers to your members in other lovely fun activities like watch parties and sometimes we even have them join us when we're like in person we we do a couple of special things but of course the survivors here means that you get to join us for our episode breakdowns on camera and mic but speaking about the whispers tier those are, and we thank them after every episode too, just after the Survivors tier, uh, Rita's Fan 2 on Instagram and Twitter, J13 Voorhees at Instagram and Twitter, Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, Fro at FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, at Tyler Phillip Cox on Instagram and Twitter, at Aiden the Raven on Twitter, and at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and of course, at judith.morton on instagram thanks so much for listening to our fear the walking dead coverage throughout the season i hope that we get to give you many more analyses uh, for season eight we're going to be talking about tales of the walking dead soon we still have to cover dead in the water and there's been rumblings that that has something to do with season eight i don't really think so but i guess we might have to just talk about it after we speak about uh the events that transpired in Dead in the Water. So with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo. You were joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D.K. Blazy Gardener, and Survivors Tier members, Bridget, ex-Prophecy Girl on Twitter, and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram, as well as Jasmine, jasmine.iac on Instagram. Take care. We'll see you in the next one, which is which will be undoubtedly soon. And of course, and also 
very, very much. So you're going to see a lot of content from us in the coming weeks, actually. A lot more than you're used to. So get ready. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it.